Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Ariel Hawani Show. I, of course, am Ariel Hawani. It is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. Very excited that you're back and very excited about today's interview. Today, we're talking to Blake Snell, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres, of course, won the 2018 Cy Young as well. Uh, he's an incredible talent, was traded last offseason to the Padres from the Rays. Of course, everyone remembers Game 6, 2020 World Series. He is dealing. He is on fire against the Dodgers. And then his manager at the time, Kevin Cash, takes him out of the game. And uh, it was simply because of analytics and pitch counts and all that stuff. Even though he was on fire, he was very upset. It was very controversial. It turned into a whole thing, and they eventually lost the game and the World Series. So he's known for that. Of course, he's known for uh, his great skills as well. And he's a big MMA fan. And so we'll talk a bit about MMA. We, we actually met in a very funny way. Uh, we'll tell that story as well, talk about his career, the ongoing lockout in baseball and, and how crazy that whole story is and how detrimental to the sport it may be. Uh, we are going to get into all of that, his love of Seattle and basketball, fighting, um, his great career in Tampa, all that and more. So it's very rare that you get to talk in this type of format to an athlete like him. I'm looking forward to it very much. And uh, I think you guys will uh, enjoy it as well. So stay tuned for that. Before we get to the interview with Blake Snell, I do want to tell you about our good friends over at ExpressVPN. We appreciate their support very much. And if you've been listening to me for a long time, you know how active I am on social media. I can't tell you how many times through the years I've been uh, you know, in touch with people and I've seen people who have been hacked. Right, And we've seen some prominent people get hacked as well. I mean, it's happened to Selena Gomez, Paul Pierce, even my dear old friend, Chael P. Look, it can happen to stars like them. Just imagine how easy it would be for them to hack you. That's why I use ExpressVPN to safeguard my personal data online. According to recent reports, my friends, hackers can make up to a thousand dollars from selling someone's personal information on the dark web making people like me and you easy lucrative targets especially when you connect to public wi-fi in a coffee shop or an airport expressvpn is an app that funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel so that no matter what device you use you can have peace of mind every time you use the internet the app connects with just one click is lightning fast and the best part is expressvpn works on up to five devices simultaneously so you and your whole family can stay protected and if you visit expressvpn.com hawani right now you can arm yourself with an extra three months of expressvpn for free again that's expressvpn.com slash Helwani. Please support them because they support us. Now, I also want to tell you about another sponsor that I know and love and one that has been supporting us for the last few weeks as well. It's BetterHelp. You know that I've been talking about mental health and therapy and all that stuff, just trying to be a better version of me. And I want you to be a better version of yourself as well. So if you think you might need some help, then I want you to visit my URL at betterhelp.com slash A-H-S. Why? Because BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They'll connect you in a safe and private online environment and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. With BetterHelp, you can send a message to your counselor anytime, receive timely and thoughtful responses, and if money is tight, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. Best of all, anything and everything you share is 100% confidential. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash A. 
A-H-S. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash A-H-S. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash A-H-S. Please support them because they support us and also support yourself. All right. Now time for my conversation with San Diego Padres superstar, Blake Snell. Enjoy. So I have a lot to talk to you about. Um, I do want to get into the story of how we first met a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a <laughs> lot that I want to ask you about. But first, just off the top, and hate to start on, on this note, but I, I feel compelled to do so. I understand that someone that you knew recently passed away from the... Uh, the Rays organization, yeah. uh, Jean Ramirez, I believe his name was. Yeah. And so I just wanted to send you my condolences on that. It sounds like a, I mean, a horrible story. And uh, it seemed like it, it hit you, it hit you hard. So my, my condolences to you and to everyone okay. who knew him. Yeah, no, it was definitely uh, tough on a lot of us. So uh, I was able to talk to guys that were all, you know, close that I was close with over there. And then that were all close with Gene as well. So definitely tough, uh, still is, but, um, you know, just gotta, he's where he wants to be and you gotta support him in that. And it sucks, but it is what it is. Well, much respect. And again, my condolences, uh, that, that news just came out. So I just wanted to say that to you. Um, I, uh, I've been watching you for a long time and I have to say, uh, I was very surprised when one day, do you mind if I tell this story, how we met? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just looking at my Instagram and it's not <laughs> even like the main DM like account thing it's like the the cesspool account when i guess it's the people that you don't follow because at the time i wasn't i I don't follow a ton of athletes because it's always just like wake up work out here's what i'm doing and it's not very compelling content as you know and i have a dm there from blake snell who i know very well i know of not personally and uh the message is uh, basically like hey man I, i i think you don't know who i am and that's cool but i just wanted to give you props on you know your verbal beatdown of Dylan Dennis, and I was like, wait a second, is this really Blake Snell of the Padres, Cy Young winner, reaching out to me? I couldn't believe it. Uh, and yes, it was you. And so, can I ask you why? Why yeah. did you know my ten seven of Dylan Dennis compel you to reach out to uh, me? Well, it's because every time I see like you know Jake Paul fight or McGregor fight, or I see guys that are like doing stuff, and like he'll talk crap about McGregor's opponents because he's riding McGregor's like you know success and then he's dogging jake because all his success and it's like bro you're doing nothing in the meantime while you're dogging everyone that's trying to do something and it's like and you're not fighting anybody you're not doing anything that you're you know super talented at and you say you're the most talented grappler and striker and but i haven't seen you do anything so when you call them out for not doing anything it's like i loved it so i'm like if you're gonna talk about it, just go do it like i'm not I'm not saying like, oh, I know how to fight or like anything like that. I'm just saying like, if you're good at something and like, and you're going to talk crap to other people that are actually doing it, like go do it. Stop talking crap and doing nothing to back, back up your words. So when I saw you just go off, (laughs) I loved every second of it because he's always in everyone's comments, just talking crap. Anytime ESPN or SportsCenter will post anything related to those guys, it's there, right? It's like, yeah. I don't know how he has notifications just based off of Jake Paul's stuff, but I just had enough. And some people ask me like, oh, you know, like, okay, why'd you do that? Was it necessary? You're a journalist. What good came of that? This came of that. So oh, I do great. think it was worth it. Oh, 100%. And it's like, and he's just like everywhere, always talking crap about people. Like, bro, build someone up one time. Like, say something nice to somebody. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be the villain. You don't have to be like, bro, just be like a regular human. Like, stop. 
he just always like what Jake Paul's done. Like at first, I'm not even gonna lie, I didn't like Jake Paul. And then what like what he's done and like how confident he is, how much better he's getting every time. And like, bro, Tyron Woodley is legit. And he knocked him clean out. And I'm like, you gotta respect that. Like you don't have a choice at that point. So then I come to find out, as we just kind of saw there, uh, you're a fight fan. And I kind of feel yeah. like I, I know of most of the people in sports, like in the regular, normal sports mm-hmm. who like MMA. Uh, I did not know that you were a fight fan. So how long have you been watching MMA for? Uh, I mean, I would say I really started to get into it in, around like 2013. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. I remember like the f- like when I really started watching it was Anderson Silva when he broke his leg uh, on that kick to Weidman. Yeah. And I, I was devastated. I was like <laughs> devastated. But I don't I don't really post about watching UFC. I just like I watch it with all my friends. We get a, we go to like a so whoever has the biggest like, you know, projector screen. We go there and then we all just watch it and just kind of hang out. And uh, Yeah, but I've been watching, I'd say since 20, 2013. And you follow it like? Are you just watching the pay per views? Are you just watching select fights or fighters? Just like how guys cool? I like, yeah. Just guys you like. So if I see guys coming up that I like, I'll watch them. Um, if I see fights that I know are going to be like an all out brawl, like the matchup is insane, like it's two strikers or it's two grapplers, like, and I'll definitely watch that. Uh, but when I know, like, oh, like this guy's winning for sure, then, uh, I just I won't watch. Like, I'll watch this fight because I think Davis, like the two, uh, UFC 270, I'll watch that because I think Davidson's going to win. Uh, his energy in that, the last fight against Moreno, I, he was just different. It wasn't him. It wasn't like that cockiness of, of like confidence of like that. Like, I felt like he was almost like, le- like trying to let him win. It was weird. Like, I didn't like watching that fight. I'm not saying that he did that, but I think Davidson is, I think he's insane. And then I think Don. Yeah, and I think Gon has a, a shot against Francis, and I love Francis. But I always think that, and then the champion does what the champion does. So we'll see. But I think Gon, I think he has a legit chance. Uh, I don't know if you follow it this deeply, but one of the interesting storylines going into the Nganu fight is his contract. Um, yeah. It, free agency, all this stuff. This is all kind of new to MMA. Do you yeah. take an interest into that because you live in the world? Like, MMA fighters dream of a situation like baseball players and basketball players have with revenue sharing and collective bargaining and all that stuff. Yep. Do you pay attention to that? And if so, do you think the MMA fighters deserve a bigger piece of the pie? Uh, I do. Uh, but again, they got to like get a, a union together and they got to like, there's a lot. I mean, it's going to take a while. You're going against Dana who knows everything about that whole company and he knows how to manipulate. And you got, he's just so smart. So it's like, you could try to say it, but, Again, then he's going to come up like, well, what are you bringing in? Like, how popular even are you? Like, are we making money like with you fighting? Like, when he says that stuff, I'm like, ah, like you need to get a good look. Like, he's right. going to, because he's going to ultimately what he has to do is dog, you know, his fighters. Like, he has to, because he has to beat them down to where, you know, they can't hype it up to like everyone believes like they need money. He has to make it look like, no, this is why I'm paying him what I'm paying him. It's fair. Um, so, I mean, Dan is a smart man. Um, I, I do think they need to get paid more, but again, it's like they have to earn it too. So I feel like if you're, you know, you're a popping guy like McGregor who brings in all this money, Nate Diaz brings in all like guys that get their name up there. Yeah. then you do, you do deserve it, but you just became champion. So I do think you need more than what you were getting. Um, but keep winning. And I feel like you'll just keep getting more and more money, but they definitely need a union hundred percent. 
Who are some of the guys that like you find out that they're fighting? You McGregor, no matter what. Yeah. Diaz, no matter what. Uh, Masvidal, I love him. Um, even Covington, I love Covington. Usman, love him. Israel, Israel, Israel. Man. Yeah, he's just like he's the coolest dude I've ever watched. Like he, <laughs> he is who he is. He's confident beyond belief. He does things that make no sense. I'm like, that's just so cool because like that's who he is. And he's, like, fine with that. I think Israel, like, and then his fighting game, like, even when he lose, like, when he lost to Jan and he went up, like, he learned so much from that fight. So I'm so excited to see him, like, continue on past that and see how much he's going to gain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Israel Israel's my guy right now. Because it was Silva uh, early on. And then, yeah, once I saw Izzy coming up, I was like, all right, this is my guy. And then – I didn't like Usman to start because I really like Woodley. And then I, I love Usman now. Um, and then I like Sean O'Malley because he talks, but he backs it up. And he's like ultra confident, like ultra confident. So uh, I, I love to, that. I have to ask, you mentioned Woodley. What was it like for you to see him get knocked out like that? Yeah, he just doesn't have that same confidence. And yeah. plus, like him boxing, like he he has hands, yeah. But even when he was champion, like he was always known for like, you know, like kind of running, dodging, grappling. Like he never was really like sitting there, like throwing the whole time from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Could be different. I mean, you, this is your everything. This is just what I watch recreation. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I know he has hands. I know he's a great fighter, great competitor. Uh, but seeing him get knocked out, I hated that. I hated everyone that he's knocked out. I don't like, but I respect Jake for what he's doing because no shot I would ever do any of that. <laughs> Uh, would you ever consider, have you ever considered training? Uh, training, yeah, but like fighting, uh, no. I get, I get cleaned. Nope. Those guys are different animals. And we just saw Darren Williams and Frank Gore do it. Yeah, what they say after. What they yeah, say after. Like <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, uh, not to, I'm, not a, I'm not trying to act like I'm a macho man. I just enjoy watching. Uh, on on the teams that you've been on, like, have there been guys that you all come together? Like, even if it's a you know you're playing a seven thirty game right after you guys are watching the pay per view yeah, we'll in the clubhouse. Joe, yeah, Joe Musgrove's huge into that. Bragman's wow. big into it, so I'll, I'll text Bragman from time to time. Um, but I talk to Musgrove about it a lot. I mean, yeah, me and Musgrove talk about it most, and then uh, Ryan Weathers will talk about it with us. There's some other guys I can't remember the names, but a little group we, we'll talk about it. Like, there's a big fight going on. Like, we're all talking. We're all going to watch it. So um, we were just talking before you came on about uh, the fact that you, you teach younger kids how to pitch, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Is this something that you've been doing throughout your career? Or as you get older, you feel like giving back? Because I think, I mean, I can't imagine you're in your prime, young kid learning from a, a big leaguer. I can't imagine a lot of guys are doing this right now. Yeah, it was just something like, I don't know. I just wanted to help. And like make kids better because I started seeing like when I was playing, I didn't see a lot of, you know, like guys from my area. It's always like Cali, Dominican Republic, Texas, Florida, Arizona, like all those areas are kind of baseball places. And everywhere I go, I see like my teammates know other guys. He was like, oh, yeah, he's from my city. He's from my city. Or he, I'm like, I ain't got no one from my city. Like the closest thing I got is Conforto. And then after that, I got Sousa and, and that kind of trickles down and. Uh, that I know of that are in my area. A lot of them I, I really don't know of. So then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to start training these kids at a young age. Like, it's my, like, responsibility to start helping the Pacific Northwest, like, 
you know, get, get better talent and teach them what I know. And I know a lot. and I feel like I have a lot of information to share to help these kids and, you know, just develop them and build them young to where they have an idea as they grow up to like what the right thing feels like. Um, so then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it every Tuesday. I'm going to give five to six hours of my time away. And I'm just going to do these pitching lessons, help the kids. And uh, all the money that I make from it goes back to showcase to help kids that can't afford it. So, wow. um, yeah, so the kids that can't afford it and, and can do it, all that money goes back to kids that want to do, you know, hitting lessons or, and, and showcase sports where I do it out of, they find the people that they're going to, you know, give money to and uh, let them use that. And one of your students on this particular day is from my hometown of Montreal, coming all the way from Montreal to Seattle? Yeah, he said he was like, uh, he's a super big fan and he, this is like his dream. And it's kind of crazy to hear that because I don't really look at myself in that light. You know, I just, I play baseball. Um, so when I heard that, I was like, okay, like, usually it's just a 30 minute session. I said, hey, I'm coming at 3.30, coming all that way. I at least got to give him an hour of my time just hanging out and talking. Wow. So he's coming out and then uh, we're going to do an hour session and then we're just going to hang out, talk. And if he wants to stay and watch and just hang out with me, I'm going to allow him to do that. Wow. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm, he doesn't know yet, but I'm going to tell him like, as long as you want to hang out with me today, you can hang out with me. Man, respect. Yeah. How, how old are these kids? Like uh, the I, range? I think that kid's 13. Wow, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is incredible. You know, that's the thing, like, and and I remember this from, you know, we'll, we'll get into the Twitch stuff and all that, but correct me if you feel otherwise, you don't come across as the typical big leaguer. And I mean big leaguer when I talk about MLB, NBA, like one of the reasons why I went to Syracuse University to become a broadcaster in 2001. And when I got there, I realized, A, all the kids there want to be the same thing that I want to be. They all want to be the next Bob Costas or Marv Albert traditional sports guy. And also I started to realize that, you know, the athletes in these other leagues, NBA, like I watch everything. They're so boring. They talk in cliches. They don't tell you anything. You with Twitch, but even like when you showed up after game six in in 2020 and all that, like you're just a real guy and you don't speak in cliches. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You don't worry about what people think. You know, I feel like athletes are so guarded and they don't make for very interesting interviews and content. Do you agree yeah. with all of this? And is there something in your mind that you told yourself, like, I don't want to be like those guys when I'm coming up? I don't want to be that kind of athlete? Uh, well, like, early on, uh, I was that guy. Like, I was always doing that. And I was like, God, I hate interviews. Like, I hate doing them. They're so boring. They're just, they're not fun to me. Uh, and every time I talk, I just told the media what they wanted to hear. And it was mm. boring and terrible. And one of my teammates, he was a veteran guy, Tommy Hunter, I'll never forget. He's like, bro, my mom watched that and said that was the worst thing she's ever listened to. <laughs> like everything, like just, he was dogging me. He's like, bro, you are hilarious. Just be yourself. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to do that. And it, like, as I've done that, like I've had instances where like, you know, like I've said like the slap dig prospect and that went, that went all over the place in the baseball world. And, you know, I've had moments where I've said stuff and like I had to listen to it, but it's not even bad. Like it's just people talking about what I'm saying, I've had people where I said, like, I got to get mine. Like, they take my words and they're like, this is all we heard. And they blow that up. And then I was like, I really just don't care what people think. Like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to have fun. I know I'm a good human. I know I'm a good guy. So, like, in the end, all of this is going to fade and then the real is going to show. So then I said, like, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to, like, I started doing Twitch, obviously, just to connect with people. 
and like let my fans know like yo i'm exactly like you i'm nothing different um and then when they started messaging me i started like really interacting getting to know them like where they're from who they are and then they're like just the impact that i had on them i was like yo that's why i won't stop doing twitch like there's moments where i'm like oh like it's a lot of time like i just want to do nothing but then i'm like what what it means for these like the people that watch and show up like it means more than me just being lazy for the day. So, and then I just started being myself through Twitch and then the interviews got way better and I was more just myself and I was fine with that, but it, it took time to get there. I actually think there's a case to be made for the, the, the Twitch stuff, bringing the real out in you and making you, you know, comfortable in front of the screen. Um, yeah. Have people tried to deter you from doing Twitch, whether it's like, the teams, people around you, like, oh, this is too much behind the curtain. Like, I can't imagine in the 90s when I was growing up idolizing ball players that I would have this kind of access to them. Have people tried to tell you not to do it? Um, Early on, yeah. But since then, like, now that I'm more of a veteran player, I still feel young, but they call me a veteran. Um, <laughs> they're not going to tell me anything now. So, but early on, like, when I was a rookie, I was, like, their voice can impact more to where now, like, it still can impact. I'm listening to what you're saying. It's not some older, more successful that I'm not going to listen. Like I'm going to listen, but no one says anything. Uh, I, I was working for ESPN at the time, uh, filling in on ESPN radio when the, I'm going to get mine thing blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember that vividly in retrospect, do you, do you regret saying that? Do you feel like it was taken out of context? For those that don't recall, this was like May of 2020 when... Oh, like bo- heat of COVID. Like COVID just started. Co- uh, I mean, it's just like, you were the face. <laughs> you, were the, you, were, you were labeled as like the inconsiderate athlete who doesn't care about the pandemic. Yeah. There's no... Vaccine is not even in sight. We're like two months into this thing. Every sport is shut down. And here comes, you know, the Cy Young winner saying, I'm getting mine while, you know, playing Twitch. And this thing exploded. <laughs> Um, oh, blew up. What and was that like for you? And do you regret it? I don't regret it at all, no. Because what I said was correct. That's what ended up happening. So I didn't get upset about that. It's I get upset at what they clipped and put out there. Because if you listen to the rest of it, like it's what happened. So I, do I regret the part of what I said I got? I want to get mine? Yeah. Like, yeah. But when you listen to the whole thing, no, I don't. So it's like that little part, yeah, it doesn't sound good. It sounded bad. And to see what COVID's done since then, like that's, it's not, you know, it's terrible. Um, but when you listen to the whole thing and like what I was explaining, no, I don't regret that. Did you get in, in trouble, f- you know, for saying that from anyone? Uh, the rains got on me a little bit, but it was more just like, yo, I was getting, that was the first time I ever knew what like a death threat was. And like, wow. Like, yeah. And then you got death threats for that? Yeah. Gee. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was like, I mean, whoa. And then, uh, yeah, like everyone was calling me like, you know, like a bunch of just censored names. And uh, yeah, even Stephen A. Smith, like a lot of people were saying stuff. Like, I replied to a lot of people a lot. I was like, let's have like this debate. Like I respect like why you feel that way. But like I had the real clip and I sent that to him. I said, listen to it and then let's talk. And then every time I did that, like, they hadn't, they're like, oh, like you're a good guy. Like it just got brought. And then, so now I, I stopped doing that. And then when Stephen A. Smith said something, I was like, bro, you're just like, he's just always on the next like hot topic trying to just yell. So I like, I lost a lot of respect for Stephen A. after that. And then I, I watched all his stuff since then. 
And I just like, I, I can't do it. I'm like, you're just yelling and you're just talking over people and not allowing them to talk. And when he said that to me, and then when I got taken out of the World Series game, he was like, oh, I feel bad for Blake. And I'm on his side. And I was like, bro, not even like six months ago, you were dogging me, telling me to shut up and just listen and like not say anything. And like, now you're like on my side, like, oh, I feel terrible. Like, what? I hated that. I was like, that's fake. Like, it's just, it's two different sides. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like that. When all that happened, was there a part of you that's like, I don't want to do this anymore? Like, if it's going to get me in trouble and bring this kind of death threats, screw this. Uh, no. I was like, you know what? I'll just keep streaming. People will come in, they'll talk. But okay. I, can, I can back myself up plenty, so I don't need... Like, they can come in and, hey, you're coming into my community of people that you know, back me. And you're, the, you're like 10 people trying to talk crap to a whole community that has been built on just love and just having fun with, like, enjoying each other's company in that moment. So when those people come in, I would dog them, clean them up. And then they, by the, by the end of it, we're like friends and they're like on my side, like, and just making the community stronger. So it didn't like, no, nah, I wasn't like scared to, to stream again or anything like that. It was just like, what, what was said was obviously not what I meant at all. And in the way that I did mean it, just they didn't clip that part. I bet your fellow teammates loved it. I bet they all agreed. Uh, I'll tell you what, a lot, yeah, a lot. Were they showed you love behind the scenes. Yeah, because yeah, I was one that you know kind of took all the punches. But, right, that's right. But it was the truth, and then in the end, that's what we ended up agreeing on. So it was like I wasn't far from from it at all. It was just the truth. So uh, I was talking to a, a like a hardcore baseball fan um, a friend of mine who uh, I told you know I'm talking to Blake Snell. He's like, "What the hell? How'd you get Blake Snell?" And he's like, "Man, I don't like." That's why it started to put a seed of doubt in my mind. He's like, "I don't think he's going to do the interview with you." That's what my friend said, and yeah. I said, "Why?" And he's like, "Because of the lockout. Like he's not going to talk to you right now." And I was like, "But this is the guy who went on Twitch and he speaks his mind and he's different than everyone else." And lo and behold, here you are. Um, could I ask, what is it like to be locked out? What What is life like for you right now? Yeah, everything's the same. You know, I'm training, like spring training, starting on time. Um, I, the lockout doesn't hit any of us, I don't think, until spring training starts. And we're supposed to go see our teammates, our, you know, everyone that we love seeing every day. Like when we don't get to go do that, that's when everyone's, like that's when I think it's going to hit everyone. Because right now I'm training, right. I'm locked in. Like all I'm thinking about is be ready for the first day of spring training lock it in so like every day is i'm just locking it in getting ready um but even with if spring training doesn't start i'm acting like i'm in spring training now and i still get to talk to all my teammates so that's fine and then i'll probably even get to a point where like we have a, a pitcher zoom meeting tomorrow which i'm super excited about we talk to all the pitchers and we'll probably even find a way to where we talk to all the guys and and we find a way to compete against each other and make spring training still spring training um i don't know but that's for each team to decide, each player. But I definitely know uh, once you know the lockout really does get you know get heated, uh, everyone in that will want more answers because we want to play and we want you know the fans to enjoy you know the 162 game season. What what is your gut telling you right now? Do you think the the start of the season gets delayed? I don't think so. But if it does, I can't control that. Right. I'm okay with you know trusting the union. I mean, I know the union has our back and they're doing what's best for for us and the fans. So it doesn't bother me that we're doing what's best for the game. 
do you keep up with like every time Passin puts out an article or you know Ken, like do you read everything or you're just kind of letting it no i let it go yeah. i love really? ken rosenthal and, uh, and Passin, man. they're both like they're great you can yeah. talk to them whenever they talk to you about ba- like they'll let you know anything and they're like very like they're just good at their jobs really good but you're not keeping up with like the daily updates and all that stuff Nah, because yeah, I don't. No, nah, no shot. We were talking earlier about like you being called tone deaf and stuff like that. I I grew up in Montreal. I was a hardcore Montreal Expos fan. Uh, yeah. I I know you're born in 1992, so you were too young at the time. But 1994 was going to be our year. We were finally going to win the World Series. We had the best team in baseball, six games mm-hmm. up on the Braves, and then August 12, 1994, the strike hits, and the city, the team, never recovered. And yep. uh, it's the only time the World Series has been canceled. You know the whole story, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just crazy that baseball would allow this to happen, that everyone allowed this to happen. And I feel like now it's not quite the same, but, like, we're still in the pandemic. People are still hurting. No one wants to hear about this, right? Like, this is the best time, right? Hot stove, transactions, all that stuff. No one wants to hear about labor struggles and all this stuff. Baseball can't allow this to happen. Would you agree with that? That would be incredibly tone deaf for yeah, there to be a delay. Yeah, I feel like, and, and what we're asking for isn't like crazy. It's to make the game, you know, more competitive, more fun for the fans. So every team is, you know, in it to win it. Um, so I don't see why, like for me, it's confusing why we have a lockout. That's what, like my whole time coming through the minors is like you get to the big leagues to win. And like now we're getting to the big leagues and there's teams like developing to winning in like four years. Like mm-hmm. what is, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, it's the big leagues and it's all about winning. It's not about developing. When you get to the big leagues, you win. The only thing that matters is winning. If you can't help win, you get sent down. Um, and you're seeing a lot of good players that can really help. Um, you know, they're not, they don't get paid and they don't get, you know, you know, compensated what they, they deserve because now we have a younger guy that's cheaper and, um, and they'll take him three to four years, you know, to get better, but they don't see the value in the veteran guy. That's played for six years of middle, like, you know, he's a pretty good player, not an all-star, but he can help make your team better. And he knows how to, you know, play team ball. So when we need to get a guy to, you know, bun a guy over or, you know, hit the ball to the other side of the field to, to get that runner over or to hit a deep fly ball, like he's like, I'll sacrifice this at bat for, for us to score. Like he's thinking that way to where a rookie's like, you know, you're coming up, you got to get your numbers up. And that's how you, you know, you make your living. So it's just two different, you know, thought processes and they don't pay the veteran. And that's what helps teams get really good and win a lot more and be way more competitive. Um, but there's a lot of things like I don't know everything about what we're really asking for because I'm focusing on being the best baseball player I can be for my team. And I trust the union. I talk to them. I ask them questions. And I've always, since day one, trusted them and love everything they're doing to make the game better. So we'll see. Uh, last thing on all this, does this mean like you can't talk to your pitching coach? You can't talk to anyone on the team? No. And it hurts. Damn, that's crazy. And it hurts. Yeah. And, and, that, and that sucks because like I have really close relationships with the coaching staff. Um, this is a new coaching staff. But I know that for me personally, the coaching staff in Tampa, I still talk to a lot of those guys like a lot, like very often. And not being able to talk to them, like, that sucks. Especially, like, Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach down there. That's, like, they're like my second father. Like, I love that man. And uh, not being able to talk to him for, you know, majority of the offseason, that's been, yeah, I hate it. 
speaking of Tampa, obviously you had a, a great start to your career there. Cy Young, mm-hmm. made it to the World Series, all that. It seemed to have really uh, affected you when you got traded. You really loved being a Tampa Bay Ray. Why was it so special for you? Why did you have such a connection with that community? Well, I, I love the fan base. It was like, we, it wasn't like a crazy fan base, like very little, but like the people that did like the Rays, like they loved them and they loved the players and they were always backing us and they were never talking crap about us, like always on our side. Um, and then even, you know, always being the underdog and then seeing like the staff, the coaching staff, uh, the GMs, the owner, like they all were for us. They all wanted us to be the best. And then when you look around at the talent that we had and they were able to put such a talented team for what they were spending together, it was just, it was kind of everything to me. They grew me up. You know, I lived in Florida for, for a long time. I really started to love being in Florida. I still, like, I miss Florida every day. Um, but I grew really close to the coaching staff. The players, you know, they cycled through, but I grew close to a lot of those players that I did come up with um, that were even below me as well. And I just loved everything about that organization. And I never felt, the, the thing I love most is like I could go out anywhere there and I never was talked to, never recognized, ever. I went out, this story I'll never forget. I went out after I won the Cy Young. I went to this place in Tampa, Daily Eats, we're playing the Yankees. Me and Aaron Judge go to get, um, we're going there to get food. We're like waiting outside, me and Aaron Judge. And this lady comes up and goes like, Oh, Aaron Judge, like, it's all excited. This is in my city, Tampa. Wow. And I'm like, hey, I'll take the picture. And Judge is sitting there like, what? Wow. And he's like, do you know who that, who's taking the picture? And I was like, I'm his cousin. Don't worry, smile. <laughs> like, And I'm just like, I'm not letting him say it. And then she finally realizes me because Judge won't let it go. And I keep saying, like, no, nah, I'm his cousin. Like, he's joking. Like, But, like, in my city, like, they don't even, like, majority of the people don't even know who I am. And that was amazing. Like, I could just go do whatever and no one even knew. Why, why do you think it hasn't worked there? Like, why don't they draw a lot? It actually reminds me a lot of Montreal, uh, the crowds. I, I went to one game several years ago, actually when they were playing the Yankees before UFC in 2016. And, you know, it's sparse crowds. Even in the playoffs, it's it's sometimes not even full. Why do you think it hasn't worked in Tampa? Um, well, I think uh, it's the location. You got to put it in Tampa. Um, it's in St. Petersburg, so that bridge and crossing and bringing all that traffic over, like it just, it won't work. Um, And then on top of that, like, I mean, the biggest name we had was really Longoria price, but we never keep, like they never keep those guys, you know, all the big time guys that they should keep. And, you know, fans will have someone to cheer for for 20 years. They don't keep them. They keep them. I mean, I was there, what, four years, like gone. And I signed a deal to try to stay there. Like I didn't want to leave. And even then, gone. Um, Longo signs a big deal, gone. Um, Price, gone at six years, six and a half years, whatever. What Like, they don't keep anyone past that. So them signing Wander and locking him up for, what, 12 years or whatever, like, they got a shot. Um, like, at that, that will be the longest tenured Ray, but if they keep him that whole time. But just, they don't keep anybody. So it's hard for fans to be excited about a team when, Every year, the roster is different. It's different. It's different. And then by the time you really like somebody, he's gone. Uh, so, there's a, and that's actually exactly what happened to the Expos back in the day. We would develop guys, and then they would get traded off. And now there's a lot of people holding out hope that they're going to do this split schedule thing. I don't, I, I'm sure you've probably heard of it. Yeah, I hated it. 
Well, I don't understand. I mean, I would love to have baseball back in Montreal, but if I'm being honest, I can't see any scenario where the Players Association would agree. Why would any player sign up to play in two different cities, two different countries, right? It's absurd. Yeah, and then sign a, a three-month lease in yeah. one spot, a three-month lease in another. Like, you know how hard that is and how much stress that is on that player? Like, oh my. <laughs> what? They're never going to be home. They'll never right. feel like they're at home. Um, it doesn't seem... I don't know what is going on, like the politics, but it seems insane that anyone would allow this to happen. Like, I'm not trying to get my hopes up here, right? Yeah, no. It's either keep them in Tampa, or if it's not going to work and you can't find something to do there, then send them to Montreal and have them there full-time. Like, I cannot see, like... I mean, ask them when the Blue Jays were in Dunedin and then they went up to uh, Buffalo and then, like, all of that traveling, like, it gets tiring. Mm -hmm. It just wears you out even more than, you know, a team that gets to be in Boston the whole year. and Like, that's home. That's comforting. They go home, they get to relax. But when you don't have a home, it's hard to relax. Considering how you felt about the team when you got the word that you were being traded, did it feel like betrayal? Like, did it feel... I know it's the business, but did yeah. you take it personally? The weirdest part about it was I kind of, like, saw it coming. Oh. Like, I never saw... I never, like, even in double A, like, I was telling Ozzy Timmons, like, I ain't getting traded. Like, they ain't traded me. And then I would always say that. <laughs> he's like, you never know, Blake. And he's like, you don't, he'd always tell me, you don't understand this is business. And I was like, yeah, but I understand my value. They ain't trading me. They ain't trading me. I'd always say that to him. And then uh, I started hearing rumors about, like, I was going to get traded to San Diego. And then I had people that were in San Diego that were like, yo, it might happen. And then, uh, I talked to Eric Neander, the GM. He's like, a month before I got traded, he's like, no, like we're not trading you. It has to be something that we really think we're going to get a lot of value for, but we're, we really don't see it. And then, like, as as like Christmas hit, because I got traded right after that, I was like, <laughs> I started feeling like pressure. I was like, oh, this happened. Like, I feel it. And then sure enough, like, I'm like, I message Eric. Eric messaged me and he goes, hey, uh, I'm going to call you in a little bit. And I was like, I looked at, I was with my girlfriend and I looked at her, I go, I'm getting traded. Mm -hmm. And then sure enough, he calls and then uh, he's like, hey, like we're trading you to San Diego. Like don't tell anyone, blah, blah, blah. We talk about it. We talked for a while. I said, okay. So then I was in Chicago at the time. So then I ended up having to fly to Florida. I saw all the coaches. Uh, so like, thank you, bye. I'm gonna miss y'all. Love y'all. All of that. Saw Eric. Even saw Eric. Wow. Said that to, came to my house. And like, it's just a respect. Like they really do. Like he let me know everything that was going on. So I never felt betrayed. I never felt like oh, like they gave up on me or anything like that. Like it's just it's a business. I understand it, and like it sucks for me personally because I love everyone in Tampa. Love cash. Love not like everybody. I love everybody. So when I left, it like felt like I was leaving my family more than anything. So like it sucked, but at the same time, I, I understand it's a business. I'm older now. I've seen this happen every year with all of the guys I looked I looked up to. So I, I understood it. How often do you think about the World Series Game Six, 2020? How often does that come up in your mind? And just to, you know, it was like the, it was like the perfect storm of analytics and like the old guard coming together. Um, you're pitching the game of your life in the World Series. You're trying to survive, and they take you yeah. out um, against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers end up winning, and, and your manager, Kevin Cash, was blamed. 
you weren't blamed. You handled it incredibly well, I thought. You showed up to the press conference. You answered everything. Again, hard on your sleeve. Yeah. But h- how often do you think about that? Um, Not as much as people would think. Like, I think about it like once or twice. I still haven't watched it. Really? Um, nah. The whole game? I'll see like highlights and stuff, but I won't watch it. Yeah. Hurts too and, much? Uh, what was the last time I played as a Ray? You know? Yeah. My best game that I played for the Rays, I got traded after that. And then, like, to see, like, the facial expressions of, like, my pitching coach and the bench coach and hitting coach and all the coaches that I like, the players, like, the guys that we I was going to war with, like, I don't want to see their faces. I don't want to see, like, what they, like, their expressions or how they felt, how confused they were. Like, I remember those feelings so, like, I remember all those expressions so clear, so. Um, because like, I don't know if I'll get to the world series again. I'm on one of the best teams in baseball. If we can get to the world series. It doesn't mean we're going to like, I know how hard it was to get there. So it's just like, ah, it's hard to like, look at it in any light. I think when I'm done playing, I'll look at it for right now. I'm just so forward thinking. Like I always think like, what's next? What can I do to be better? And like, it's really helped me a lot to where I don't really, you know, reflect on, on that. But I know once I'm done, like playing and I look at that, yeah, that'll probably hurt. Cause I, I remember saying like that was the first time I ever saw my dad like really cry. Like he cried a little bit when his mom passed, and that was like his everything. But he cried. <laughs> this man was bawling after that game. And I was like, I didn't even know what to say, dude. I was just like, whoa. Like it was really crazy to me to see him finally get emotional for me for the first time. Um uh, so like I remember that really vividly, um, but yeah, I don't. I just can't watch it. Just, you wrote a great piece uh, for Players Tribune about that, about mm-hmm. calling your dad on Facetime and seeing him cry. Your dad has been a part of your life in terms yeah, of baseball, and since a former minor league player, right, a former coach too. Yeah. Um, what what was he sad about? Was he sad that you lost? Was he sad that you were wrong? That was it? Like what ultimately led this guy who you say didn't even cry when his mother passed away to show yeah. that kind of emotion? Well, it's, I'm his kid, so I feel like, you know, he kind of felt the pain for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he knew what I was going to do. Like, I was talking to this man. I said, like, I'm going nine, and, like, I'm putting the team on, like, on my back. Like, we're beat up. Like, our bullpen's been doing everything for us. Like, I need to step up. And, like, I just kept saying, like, I have to go nine. I have to go nine. Like, the whole time I'm pitching, like, all I'm thinking about is, like, go nine innings. Like, give you everything you got, 120 pitches, like, you're going nine. Um, and like, he knew how bad I wanted to go nine innings. He knew how bad I wanted to win that for the team. Like he just knew, like, cause I was, when I tell you I was studying this team, like, oh my God, I was sitting, like, I would watch how these guys walk by me in the hallway. Cause we're in the same hotel. Right. Yeah. I was, I, I was watching how they talk to their families. I was watching like <laughs> their swag, their confidence, their walk, their, Everything. Like I wanted to know everything about these guys. Um, I wanted even to see how they talked. Like I would say what's up to them just to hear how they talked, hear their voice, hear like I was so dialed in and I was so like just focused on beating this team. And I was like, we're not losing. I know Charlie Morton's game seven and Charlie Morton in game seven is that's a special human. So I was like, I just got to get him the ball. So then going through all of that, I get pulled. It was just, yeah, it was just really hard. So I can, I see why he cried. Do you think 
Kevin Cash does that all over again the exact same way? Have you ever asked him? Uh, I don't think he would. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Cash, he's, he's going to be honest. He ain't going to lie. I, I, I mean, I think he knows where he went wrong, and I think that's going to make him a better manager. Mm-hmm. He's just he's that good and smart. It's a, it's an amazing thing, and I think that people are going to keep looking back at that moment, you know, in terms of analytics, all that. I, I would imagine you fall on the side of, like, we need to chill. Like, if someone's feeling it, don't go by the book. Like, like listen to the player, right? Listen to how he's feeling. Look at what he's doing, correct? 100%. And Cash knows that now. But without that, we everything would have been the same way moving forward. So we needed that to, to move forward to understand, you know, what this actually means. And sometimes you got to trust your gut. And Cash knows that. Like, he'll admit he was wrong on that. But at the same time, if he didn't do that, he, he wouldn't have learned what he learned. So, mm-hmm. like, but he's, he's such a good manager. Like, I couldn't even get mad at him or upset. Like, I trust him and I know he wants to win. So, I, I, like, I still to this day, I don't get upset at him for doing what he did. Yeah. Like, I inside, thought... like, yeah, inside I get upset and I wanted to keep going, but. He wants to win too. And if he feels like that was his best option, like, then go with it. Like, I trust him. I thought it was very cool how you didn't throw him under the bus afterwards and, and still don't throw him under the bus or, you know, try to show him up or anything like that. Um, I just want to ask a couple more questions if I can, and then I'll let you go. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, um, your, your, your big league debut, April 23rd, 2016 at Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium. Yeah. Could you, could you even put into words the nerves that a young man has making his debut? At Yankee Stadium, like how nervous were I'd be, you know, I'd be in the bathroom probably for 20 hours leading up to that. Were you nervous? Because I can't even imagine what that felt like. I wasn't, I wasn't nervous at all, honestly. Really? Like 100% honest. Um, I literally, like, I just felt like when I got there, I was like, this is my moment. Like, this is my time. Like, I put in five and a half years of work in pro ball just to get here. Like, I've earned this. I'm not letting this go to waste. And like, that's how I processed it. It was like, this is my moment. And like, I'm taking advantage of it. And not once was I nervous. I mean, you know, I get the jitters and like all of that, but it's not because I'm nervous. It's because like, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to like get my story and like my, my moment rolling and like my time in the big leagues going. So that's how I, I looked at it. And there was 44,000 people. It was like a Babe Ruth bobblehead night or day. Um, and it was packed. And I remember like the first time going in the bullpen, fans are talking crap. I'm like, okay, I like this. I was getting <laughs> excited. Uh, and, and I knew I got to face, like I was going to face A-Rod. Like I looked up to A-Rod when he was with the Mariners. Like him and Griffey were the guys that like did it for me. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get to the big leagues because of those guys. So when I got to play A-Rod, I was stoked. And the only thing I take from that is like, the only thing that really truly matters from my debut is like I pitched to A-Rod. He almost took me deep, literally right to the warning track. And then I struck him out and I was like, I will never forget this day. Like I struck <laughs> right out. That was my idol, like one of my idols growing up. And uh, like, that was the coolest thing for me. Uh, I, I love how you represent Seattle. You're very proud of where you're from. I know you also grew up a big basketball fan in, in like in an alternate universe. Would the dream have been to make it to the NBA? Because it sounds like basketball was your first love even before yeah. baseball. No, hundred percent. And then when I looked, you know, I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that athletic. Like I gotta be a lethal shooter with some pretty good defense. But these guys like that I was going against that were the best in my state. I mean, I just wasn't as good as them. And I was like, 
you know, I could compete. And if I really put my mind to it, I could be a, a good player, but nowhere near the player I'll be in baseball. So then I just had to be like, okay, like, Hoop dreams is not it for me. Um, I had fun with that. I love watching basketball. I love it. But baseball is like I can really dominate in baseball and I can be really good. And like everything in my life kind of set up that way. My dad had a baseball facility. I was there every day. Uh, my dad was coaching me every day in baseball. Like my advantage was baseball. And I saw that at a young age. So I was like, look, I can love playing basketball and I can play it. It's going to make me a better athlete overall for baseball. I played football to make me a better athlete for baseball. Uh, but then once I had to start focusing on baseball my sophomore year, that's all I did was baseball. So you can kind of sympathize where I come from as an Expos fan, like Seattle losing the Sonics. It's kind yeah. of like this hole in your heart. Everyone wants to see the team come back. They have to come back to Seattle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you were a little young, right? When they left, you, did you ever go to games or were you too young? Uh, I did go to the key arena. I watched games. Um, and then like, all I want to happen is we lost Kevin Durant and Westbrook. Yeah. I want like the Sonics to come back and I want Russ and KD to reunite in Seattle. Oh, man. That'd be sick. Like, that's all I want. And then we're, we're, we're running out of time with Russ, but you know, yeah, clock is I mean, ticking. Yeah. I just, I hope the Sonics come back soon and hopefully Russ and KD can come back to Seattle and do something special there. I apologize if this is an, uh, like a kind of uncomfortable question, but before your career is over, would you like to play for the Mariners? Would that be a um, dream? I mean, I've never said it like publicly, but I like the most I can say is I love Seattle. Um, Fair enough. And yeah, like, I wouldn't mind it. Like, obviously, I'm from Seattle. Everything I've ever, like, done growing up, loving has been Seattle. So, I mean, I would like to play in Seattle. It's not like a set goal. I really like where I'm at in San Diego. So, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's just whoever wants me, like, I'll play. I just want to win. Like, I think that's really where it comes from. Like, I've gotten comfortable wherever I lived, and I enjoy those moments. So, I think wherever I play next, I just want to win. And that's well, really my you're with a great team with a superstar face of the team, right? Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. Um, a bit of a scrapper himself, him and Machado getting into it in the dugout there. I saw that a couple, you know, that was, uh, that was interesting. Like, but yeah, they're brothers. Like, that's just them, like, like, man, yeah, like, I didn't see anything wrong. I'm like, that's them, like, trying to be better. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're literally brothers. So I was like, that, that, that didn't even bother me. I wasn't even there, and I saw that, and I was like, ah. Uh, Manny just wants Toddy to be more, and they're going to be best. Like, they'll literally go in the clubhouse and just laugh at each other two seconds later. So people saw a lot in that, but that's like Manny being the older brother. So I, I really hope that this lockout thing doesn't extend because I do think that baseball is in a great place in terms of young stars. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a Blue Jays fan now because I had to adopt the other Canadian team. Yeah, I love Vladdy Jr., uh, because his dad, I grew up watching in Montreal, and he reminds me so much of his dad, the way he swings at everything and all that. And they're a very young team and a very fun team. And they're yeah. like, there's a bunch of sons of guys that I grew up watching, yeah. right? Like Biggio and Bichette and all that stuff. Um, I just, I, I would love to know from you in closing, the one thing about baseball that drives me nuts, it's like with your guy, Tatis, they get mad at him for flipping the bat. They get mad when anyone shows personality. You know, I come from the fight game, right? And it's like, yeah. Izzy, right? Izzy, the, the more flashy you are, the better, right? Connor, yeah. the crazier you are, the better. Why is baseball so, like, they're so obsessed with these unwritten rules and all this bullshit? Like, I want to see you guys 
talk trash. I want to see bat flips. I want to see guys showing up other guys. Isn't that what it should, isn't that what like kids want? That's what this generation wants. Why does baseball try to stifle that continuously? Yeah, they, well, they don't want it to get, you know, out of hand. And I don't think the players that play baseball would do that anyway. It's like, I don't feel like that's them. I, I do see the young talent coming in and, and I'm for it. Like be yourself like a hundred percent. So I don't get upset. Like if you're going to pimp a homer off me or you're going to do whatever, I'm coming right back. So it does not matter. I don't care what anyone says. So if someone was to pimp one off me, when I strike you out, I will do something and you will see it and know it. <laughs> like, it's just, that's just who I am. And that's like my fun and like my nature. Like, all right, you got me? Well, I'm going to get you. Like, there's no way around that. I, I don't know why baseball does that. Cause I, we have a lot of youth in the game right now and it's fun and it's exciting. And I, I don't know why they do that. Um, but I'll tell you what, your Blue Jays team's really good. And they got a really good manager in Charlie, a really good manager. So Former Tampa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all can really, yeah, you guys can do some really good things. I was heartbroken. Last game of the season, I couldn't, I mean, I thought that they were better than the Red Sox and Yankees and should have made it uh, to the postseason. Vladdy's special, right? I mean, that guy uh, can hit anything, what he anywhere. Did to get ready for that year that he had last year, I mean, props to him. Lost all that weight? Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. You did whoop their ass, though, in the playoffs in 2020. I mean, you whooped their ass. It wasn't even close, that series. Uh, but, you know, I forgive you for it. Yeah, but they were, they're young. They're a young team, so they got to they gotta learn what it's like to play in the playoffs. To where that was our second year getting there. We knew what we were doing. We were very focused and driven, and we just had such a good pitching staff and such a good team that we were very confident going into that. Uh, super last thing. Do you want to go back to that playoff format or do you like it the more traditional way? You know, when they let like the, the eight teams in. Yeah, I like the lead. I like where we're at now. I don't okay. want to get more teams in because then you're just, you're just letting them get in. I want, I want to feel like we earned it. Like we got here cause we earned it. You're the man, Blake. Really, I have a lot of respect for you. The way you conduct yourself, the way you, I mean, the stuff that you're doing with kids is incredible. And we share a, a mutual uh, dissatisfaction of one Dylan Dana. So it's tremendous. I oh, love it. Perfect. I love the way we met. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I wish you the best. And I hope that we get to see you come late February when pitchers and catchers report. And then, of course, uh, when the season starts, you have a fan for life here. So uh, all the best to you, my man. Have a great upcoming season. And really, thank you for giving us this time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it a lot as well. And uh, when I'm in your city, I'm going to be Let's calm. Go. We'll figure it out. All right, so that was great. Again, uh, getting a chance to talk to someone who, you know, is so young in the prime of their career, one of the best pitchers in baseball, uh, Cy Young winner. I mean, in the midst of a lockout, very unique very special, and I appreciate uh, how candid Blake is, and I appreciate that he's himself. He doesn't try to be someone that he isn't. He doesn't try to be fake. He doesn't try to speak in cliches. He doesn't try to do any of that. He's just a real person, and you don't get a lot of that in sports these days. So thank you very much to him. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and I wish him the very best this upcoming season. I will root for him, and uh, I hope that we get the MLB season on time. Nothing's better than that April opening day start, and uh, in the midst of this pandemic, to go through all this nonsense. I know there's never a good time to have, you know, labor disputes, but this seems like a really ill-advised time. So appreciate his thoughts on that as well. And uh, hopefully the season does not get delayed. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. If you uh, want to watch the interview, go check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ariel Hawani. Uh, we had a, uh, a second interview up last week 
with uh, Mickey James, the uh, Impact Knockouts champion who's going to enter the Royal Rumble. It's a very unique story, a co-promotion, if you will, with WWE. They're they're basically loaning her from Impact. Very interesting. We we put that on the web only, so that's on my YouTube channel right now. Also, previous interviews with Dan Lebetard and uh, the likes of Kendra Lust and uh, Michelle Beadle, Daniel Ricardo, Frank Isola, Biggie, Renee Paquette, on and on it goes. All on our YouTube channel. We're building that up and I'm very, very proud of it. So uh, please do check it out. And I appreciate all your support here on the podcast as well. Please continue to rate, download, subscribe, and review, follow. It means more than you know. And thank you very much to our sponsors as well. BetterHelp, ExpressVPN, anyone who has sponsored this little engine that could, I appreciate you. I appreciate the lovely feathers. I appreciate our production team. I appreciate the listeners and the viewers more than you know. And I shall be back next week for another great interview coming your way right here on the feed and also on the YouTube channel. Again, thank you to Blake Snell. Much love and respect. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.